is a second loneliness, you could call it that way. And maybe it is precisely the fact that you have found a home and feel deeply loved, there is still a hole when you have found a home. Pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together. We have to understand that we're not each other's enemy. We have to say, let's move forward. It can feel daunting to not be perfect when you've got all these like perfect people. People aren't perfect, no one's perfect. This morning, it it's gonna look a little bit different from what we normally do. So I encourage you to ride with me on this journey because instead of sharing about what or who has been significant in my life personally, I'm gonna be talking about the voices of our current culture and the significant impact that they're having on our younger generations, but not just the younger generations, perhaps the older ge generations as well. And to do that, we're going to be leaving a lot of the talking this morning to modern-day pop stars, musicians, and bands. So you're going to be hearing some music from my generation. Don't pull out your earplugs too quickly. Uh, and that also explains any confusion as to why there was uh, Lord and Adele out there in the cafe on the wall. We didn't get confused between the Lord Almighty and Lord, um, but it's just that these people are significant voices within our culture. And I, I'm, I want to be certain that we appreciate that I'm not trying to pitch a Jesus versus the music industry message here because I really believe that the music industry is quite valuable because it provides us with the opportunity to do two things. The first one is that musicians and lyricists and songwriters identify what it is that our culture is dealing with. So you know when you're driving in the car and um, you're listening to, to a song on the radio and it comes on and you're like, yeah, that's, I felt that before, or yeah, I've experienced that. Good musicians and good lyricists often have the ability to put words around what we are experiencing and feeling as a culture, okay? And the second thing that musicians do, and this is on the flip side of identify, if you look at it as two sides of the coin, the other side of identify is that they are able to influence the way that our society is forming, shaping, and thinking. So they can influence how we think about love, and they can influence how we think about life, and they can reinforce particular ideologies or values that our society deem to be important and significant. And this can be really helpful for us as a church, the fact that they identify and they influence, because it helps us, our community, to not only understand what is going on in our culture, but grasp some of what the younger generations are processing. And it also helps us to navigate some of the thoughts and ideas that we may have taken on ourselves simply by osmosis. You see, Jesus tells us to be in the world but not of the world, which means that we need to be aware of what is going on in our society and culture that we live in. We need to understand some of the values that we're upholding. We need to grasp what it is that people are wrestling with. But then in that understanding, 
it doesn't mean that we have to take those values on ourselves. It doesn't mean that we have to adopt them as our own. Instead, as a result of understanding and listening to some of these voices in our culture, hopefully we're able to input into them. We're able to shed some hope and some light into them. Cool. So, to help us along our journey this morning, I'm going to introduce you to a man called Mike. Mike's story is not everyone's story, but it's becoming a more common one for young people in our culture. Now, Mike was born in 1989 and is called Mike because that was the most popular Western boy's name in that era. Mike is classed as a millennial, which means that he and his millennial peers were born somewhere between the year 1980 and the year 2000, and they operate under the assumption made by their elders that they are self-evolved, have no loyalty to their employers, and if they are living in New Zealand, will never get into the housing market. At the age of 26, I'm a millennial, and I would disagree with all but the latter of those assumptions. Mike's parents are from Generation X, and his grandparents are either from the baby boomer generation or could be from what a journalist called the greatest generation. So that was the generation that grew up during the Depression and then went on to fight in World War II. In fact, a lot of the millennials' grandparents would have fought hard in World War II fighting to ensure and secure a future for generations of New Zealanders to come, where they could live in a land of, of freedom and of choice and of opportunity. Now, Mike's parents made the most of that freedom and choice by ensuring that they worked really hard, generally remained loyal to one to two employers, and purchased all of the houses. Mike's parents, however, saw that the world that Mike was born into had even greater opportunities that they had inherited as a result of hard-fought wars. The result of technology meant that the world was connecting at an incredibly high rate, which means opportunities and possibilities extended far and wide in this now global village. Anything was possible for Mike. And so his parents encouraged him to be a well-rounded individual so that he could take advantage of whatever came his way in the future. Mike was involved with cultural activities, art, equestrian, cooking, dancing, and drama. You name it, whatever Mike set his mind to, he could do it. Through his early years, Mike truly was on top of the world. I'm on top of the world. Mike was living high. Anything was a possibility. 
In fact, a study by the University of Alabama showed that 81% of his American high school millennials across the water believe that by the time they're 25, they will have a great paying job. 59% of them believe that they will have a better life financially than their parents do. And incredibly, 26% of them believe that they're soon going to be famous. It's a lot of famous people. Mike, however, was a Kiwi, so he didn't think quite so highly of himself. But he quietly knew that he had a world of opportunities at his doorstep. That was, however, until Mike realized that he wasn't necessarily on top of the world. In fact, the reality was only one person could ever be first place. And as Mike started to get older, he was confronted not only with a competitive world, but a whole pile of realities and responsibilities that came with it. And when I asked my husband what he thought some of the confronting realities and responsibilities were for our generation, he said straight off the cuff, not being able to spend every weekend surfing with the boys because you have to mow your father-in-law's lawns. <laughs> There's a lot of lawns to mow. Actually, Reese Arrowsmith came and mowed them last week. Thanks, Reese. <laughs> But during this time of confronting responsibilities, Mike also became confused by the change of discourse that the older generations now used. Dream big, you can do anything, they would say. But when Mike would start to talk to them about the difficulties in life that he was starting to experience, they would say, well, Mike, welcome to reality. It seemed to Mike that the expectations he had for life and was told he could expect now did not match the reality he found himself in. Mike felt a little confused by this, perhaps even a little bit duped, and the musicians he would listen to did as well. For those of us who didn't catch what 21 Pilots said at the end there, they said, uh, we used to play pretend, used to call each other names, we would build a rocket ship and we would fly far away. We would dream of outer space, but now they're laughing at our face saying, wake up, you need to make money. As Mike plodded along in his existence, he became more and more disappointed with the reality of life. Yes, there were pressures of school, university, or work, but these things he could manage if it was to pay off for something greater. But the trouble was, Mike couldn't really see what that greater thing was. His parents' generation sung of love, and yet divorce rates were higher than ever. People seemed to work hard, yet had little time to do what they wanted with the money that they earned. Finding something meaningful to work for was really important, but he struggled to understand what that meaning and purpose looked like for him. 
And so in his early 20s, Mike became pretty disillusioned with the world that he was living in. That was just the lawn clippings. And a tad cynical about the things that people worked for. His disappointments were confirmed by the songs on the radio. Yeah, it's And a wife. I don't want a job, I just want a life. Sometimes the underdogs rise and the mighty fall. We're fated to pretend whatever happened to the American dream. So Mike decides that when he leaves university, instead of pretending his way through life or working for something that he didn't believe in, he would find something meaningful to work for. After all, Mike is very aware that he only has one life and he wants to live it well. In fact, the idea that you never know when your life is going to end is drummed into Mike's head subtly day after day. You only need to take one look at news websites to know that stories of tragedy and death are everywhere. Our culture is obsessed with them. And the media makes sure that we are aware of every tragic story that has happened. So the millennials' motto that you need to live with no regrets and you only live once becomes a significant mantra in Mike's life. Mike wants to taste life, to experience it. So Mike now has to live for today because there was the subtle underlying voice saying, you only live once, we just might not have tomorrow and you need to live while you're young. Living for the moment now became very important in Mike's life. <laughs> might not get tomorrow. <clears throat> for Mike, living for now drives him to have some amazing experiences. But what he and his millennial peers were experiencing was actually a life driven by the subtleties of fear. Fear of tomorrow, fear around today, a fear that they are not living up to a certain standard of living, a fear that they are not making the most of every moment while they're young. Social media, the media, and advertising have tapped into that fear, and they provide the millennials with ideas and images of the way that they are meant to live life and the concept of what a fulfilled life is. Disillusioned with the reality of life, Facebook and Instagram provide a hyper-reality, a glimpse of the life that everyone aspires to. Some of Mike's peers are consumed with ensuring that they are living up to that standard, but some, like Mike, have come to the realization that they're indeed being lied to. 
Now, Mike takes part in social media, but he is no fool to the fact that there are often different stories behind the perfect picture, which means that on top of already feeling disillusioned about the world of opportunities Mike was promised as a child, Mike has also realized that he can't fully trust anything that is thrown at him either. So what does this mean for Mike? Living in a world where he is constantly having to decipher truth from lie, fact from fiction, trust from deceit. It means that the only person that Mike can really depend on is himself. And the only person who can get him anywhere in life is him. He is going to have to become self-reliant, self-efficient. And the only way to get to the top is by being autonomous, independent, and strong. And these things, in Mike's eyes, are powerful. Work it, make it, do it, makes us older, better, faster, stronger. Not, not, that, that don't kill me, can only make us stronger. So Mike now walks through life <clears throat> thinking that if he's strong enough, independent enough, smart enough, he'll make it to the utopia of life promised to him by the world. The Instagram life, the Facebook life, the Pinterest life. And if you seize the moment and you're a strong person, you will make it to the top. He has great expectations, but he also feels the pressure to excel as well, to be great and to be successful, to be at the top of his game. However, no matter what Mike does, he never seems to be fulfilling his own expectations of success and doesn't seem to be cutting it in the way that the world demands. And the problem is, when someone in the world is successful, everyone will say, they worked hard and they deserve that success. But does this then mean that because Mike wasn't successful, he deserves his unsuccess? This makes him start to question himself. Does it mean that Mike didn't work hard enough, didn't dream big enough, didn't take enough risks? And to top it off, Mike realizes that his time is running out, his youthful days are numbered, and his prime is nearly gone. So he's hard on himself. Because while he was told if he sets his mind to something, life could be wonderful, he's come to the realization that in fact his life is really rather 
ordinary. Mike feels the pressure of meeting the expectations that the world has put on him to dream big and be successful, but is constantly confronted with this reality that he lives in. And in that realm between our expectations and our reality often sits this. Anxiety. Anxiety is not the only thing that can occur in this realm, but anxiety is something that is gripping our culture at an incredible rate, so much so that it actually now supersedes depression in our culture. Strangely though, like Mike, people dealing with anxiety might have a great life, they might be talented, they might have wonderful friends and loving family, but there is something underlying which means that every morning they wake up with a nervousness and a knotting in their stomach and in their chest. Anxiety is crippling, it can often be very tiring. And so for Mike, this is where the world and his musician friends leave him. Yes, there are songs that discuss the confusion of life and the heartache and the heartbreak that goes with it, but there often isn't any explanation on how to work through these things other than living for the moment and dancing your troubles away in a club. Which other than becoming a really good dancer, this isn't enough for Mike and nor is it enough for most of us. A year ago now, I was on the other side of quite an anxious time in my life, and a lot of that anxiety stemmed from believing in some of these significant voices in our society. Now, I emphasize that it was subtle, it wasn't so as obvious as Mike, but definitely present. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was hit pretty badly with glandular fever, and the very thing that I put a lot of value in was being a strong person and being capable and being able to work hard. Now, there is nothing wrong with those qualities, uh, but you tend to take a real knock when your ability to be capable and work is taken away from you and you found your worth in that. And it was while I was in this recovery mode from glandular fever that my brother-in-law died of leukemia. And I was confronted with grief and the realization that life wasn't necessarily guaranteed. Live for today because you might not know when tomorrow comes, the world sings. But when you're confronted with that reality firsthand, your reality simply turns to fear especially uh, when I realized I couldn't necessarily help the situation. There's a real lack of control as you ride the waves of death and grief. And so anxiety crept in, uh, but it then developed into something that, that became a default reaction until I didn't really know what functioning without it was like. And I praise God that he has brought me through that time because if anybody is, is dealing with anxiety, you do know it is quite a dark time. But the reason why I share a little bit about my story is to show that these significant voices in our society manifest themselves in a bunch of different ways. So your story might not quite be like Mike's story or my story, but some of these significant voices are shaping how we respond to life. And life I'm learning is actually pretty haphazard. But the point at which it gets difficult is when we're trying to navigate life while sitting in this tension of our reality and our expectations and listening to all these other voices telling us what a good life looks like and how to attain it and, 
and, and the world's idea of success always just seems to be out of reach. Now I know we've spent a good chunk of this morning looking at the significant voices in our society and culture, but I'm gonna spend the last of my time this morning talking about the most significant voice of all. And it's a voice that pierces through our culture. It flips our society upside down, confronts our fears, and that is the voice of Jesus Christ. Because Mike needs to know the song that he is singing a song that Mike is unknowingly craving. So we're gonna spend the rest of this morning listening to a new song. Just getting prepared to sing to you all. <laughs> no, don't worry. Jesus' song is significant and needs to be sung. The old need to hear it as well as the young. It is a song full of hope that eradicates fear. It is a song that Mike and his friends need to hear. To the need to be self-sufficient, competent and strong, God says you're only strong when it's my strength you're relying on because the fight you are fighting, I have already won. It was completed on the cross when I gave you my son. So unclench your fists and hand your troubles to me and I'll show you what it means to really be free. Free from the need to be defined by your success because no matter what you give the world, it will always say you're less. You must be smarter, better. These voices continue to tell you, but it is only Christ that can give you your true value. You are created to create, to expect and to dream, but may your expectations be an expectant hope in me because I have come to bring life so that you can have it to the full. Far greater is this life than temporary highs and cheap thrills. Your culture sings you a song of love that is meant to be true true, but tell me, is the world's love dying for you? And so we shake off hindering voices and we run the true race, a race that you can win but doesn't have a first place. And to the anxieties and significant voices, this is what we say, God, these voices and fears that I'm believing today have no power over me because it's in your truth that I pray and we pray, we fight, we get down on our knees to a God who listens and to a God who sees. We say, God, it's not anxiousness, it's your voice I wanna hear. I want your truth in my life, sing it loud, sing it clear and though our world sings that tomorrow may not come we operate in the knowledge that tomorrow has already been won and so we have hope hope because Christ holds all of this together he is the alpha the omega he is the God of forever he is towering over courtrooms and governments and nations his message still relevant for all generations he is immeasurable incomprehensible, immortal and irresistible he is compassionate creative consistent and uncontainable he is Yahweh Hashem Lord of Lords El Shaddai he is Abba Father I am King of Kings Adonai he is supreme at the beginning he is supreme at the end he's in the business of transforming, putting lives on the mend. He is working the broken and scattered pieces back into place. He is demonstrating love. He is singing of grace. So wake up, O sleeper, and lift your head from your grieving and have hope in the song and story our God is weaving. And this is the song that Mike needs to hear, that God Almighty is with us and that his kingdom is near. But there is something else Mike needs, and it's sitting in these pews. 
You see, Mike needs to know Jesus, but Mike also needs you. Mike needs you to turn up here on a Sunday and not sit in the same old seat so you ensure that it's the same old faces that you greet. He needs you to move from passive spectator to person relator, singing no one is greater than God our creator. Mike needs you to get alongside and show him that indeed life has trials, but God is walking those dusty roads with us even if one has been going for miles. Mike needs you to gain wisdom and understanding of the ways that Christ works, to be working hard in Christ's orchard and to be a cheerleader of Christ's church. Mike needs you to model to him what living well practically looks like. Don't say one thing to Mike and then do something different in your life. Mike needs you to exercise love, justice, mercy, tenderness and grace, which means you have a responsibility. Mike needs you to be maturing in this race, not for first place, not competing, not trying to be better than one another, but to model what it means to love, pray and sacrifice for your brother. Show him how to laugh, how to grieve, how to celebrate and how to cry. Show him how to live well here on earth because we have hope for when we die. Show him your work of faith, labor of love and hope in following the Lord. Teach him how to hear God's voice and encourage him in where he's been called. Mike needs your encouragement. Mike needs you to be his biggest cheerleader. He needs you to walk with him, talk with him, be a mentor and a teacher. And you may not think you have much to offer guys like Mike. But let me tell you, you do because you have lived a life. You may not have had social media, but you do know social pressure, the constant competing of lives, who's doing it better and who is lesser. You may not have grown up online, but you know something about connection, knowing that community runs far deeper than your own computer screen reflection. You have your life, you have your journey, and this has become your story, and Christ can use that significantly in his kingdom for his glory. And to the mics. You too need to be growing in faith and maturity for the sake of all the little ones out there in the children's ministry because that is what the body of Christ looks like, fully functioning, all the different parts working together in a beautiful harmony as we are pointing each other to the most significant voice of hope and against this no voices of lies or anxiety can cope. Bethlehem Baptist Church has a slogan where new hope is born and may we sing this from the rooftops and blast it from the horn, may we believe it, Seek it, pray it, not just for Mike, but for ourselves. Hope is knocking at our hearts and it is ringing on the bells. And our lives that we believed were destined for really rather ordinary are transformed because of Christ. So we now celebrate the extraordinary. And to the voices and insecurities to which we used to sing along, we can rejoice because every day Christ is giving us a new song. Amen. Amen. Amen.